Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. We kicked off this sermon, Strive for Five. Somebody say, Strive for Five. How many people are striving for five? How many people? Amen. Come on, get those hands up high. Listen, listen, listen. It is important that we see growth. In the business world, we look at growth trends year over year. There should be some type of incremental growth, whether it's a 5% growth, 7% growth. Those are kind of like the baseline targets. But even in our spiritual lives, there should be growth year over year in your in your faith and development in the Lord. Amen. Amen. And so this year we have taken the plunge or the challenge to make sure that everyone, as our as Brother Jefferson, uh, be, I mean, he preached already, so I don't even need to say too much, but we are committed to uh, reaching the center, raising the believer. And I told you all, we are committed to raising as long as you're committed to growth. Amen. As long as you stay committed to growth, we are going to be committed to raising believers. And so, uh, one of the most amazing things that happened, and 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 we did a little a little bit of a spoof. How many people remember the commercial, like Mike commercial, back you know the Gatorade commercial? And so that's what we did with Brother Mark Bryant, who was just a phenomenal teacher and 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 lover of God's word. And so uh, we are so thankful just for his testimony. But last week we started, and I'm going to ask you to go back to to Second Peter chapter 1, 2 Peter chapter 1, because Peter begins to, to list out for us in a very plain way the importance and how we are to grow in God or as a believer. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and, 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 and I, we won't read everything, but maybe I'll just start at verse 2. Grace and peace are multiplied unto you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things. Now, this is a good passage. If you're, if you're committed to make, making, hitting your five, 2 Peter 1, uh, verses 3 and 4, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Watch this verse 4. By which uh, have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises. We have great and precious promises given by the Father. Amen. Let's just skip down to verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. And so this is where we started last week. We started with the baseline, which is faith. And then he begins to say, add to your faith virtue or moral excellence, to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. And so we're using these eight facets of Christian growth literally to kind of guide us through how we are to be maturing and developing and growing in God and in his word. Amen? Amen. So today we're going to go on that next step from faith to this area, well, in, 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 in this translation, it called it virtue. In other translations, it says moral excellence. Can somebody say moral excellence? So I want to use just for a, a, a moment as we flip over to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And, uh, I mean, one through, the whole chapter is just good. I mean, when you arrive there at the end, you hear where he uh, um, uh, landed on, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's Romans 6 and 23. But, uh, the, but the one that we want to kind of zero in on is verse 14. Let me just read verse 14, and then we're going to dive into where we're going to be today. Amen. Amen. Romans chapter 6, verse 14. If you have it, shout amen. If you need a moment, say, wait on me. I got you. I got you. I got you. Amen. Romans, Romans, you know, after that break in your Bible with that blank page and you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
Then you have the Acts of the Apostles, and then Romans shows up. So that's where Romans is, if you just needed help kind of guiding you there. But Romans chapter 6, verse 14, it simply says, For sin shall not have dominion over you. I think I need to say that again. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Let me read verse 14 one more time. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. I want to use this for a point of emphasis just for our time this morning. I promise it won't be long. But look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, there's a new sheriff in town. See, y'all do this to yourself every morning. Look, that's the wrong neighbor because they didn't respond right. Look at another neighbor and say, neighbor, there's a new sheriff in town. Now, you know what you got to do? Look at somebody across the, across the auditorium and they make good eye contact. Say, neighbor, there's a new sheriff in town. Amen. Amen. And we're so thankful. We're so thankful to have some of the college students from the university. Oh, boy, I got to look at my watch again. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. University of Massachusetts, Dartmouth. As well as some students from University of Indiana, Pennsylvania. I'm so bad. I, he sent me this, and I, I still forgot it. I could not. It, it was the University of Indiana, Pennsylvania that really threw me off. I'm like, what? There is such a thing, but so thankful to have the college students that are here in our city serving all week long. Come on and give it to them. Amen. And they will be uh, using our church's housing while they're doing their service and outreach. And we're just so thankful that they thought enough of Highland Park and the city of Detroit to come here and to serve while they're on the midwinter recess. But let's go ahead and dig right into the word. Listen, um, I've worked for a couple of uh, corporations during my corporate career, and I've gone through it seems, especially like the last three, every corporation we've gone through some type of merger, buyout, or acquisition. Anybody ever gone through any of that? Um, some type of uh, of, of com one company buying. I, I mean, I mean, where your um, uh, job, where you went into work one day, but then the next day somebody else was signing your check. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? <laughs> listen, li listen. Uh, I've gone through it three different times three different times, and each time that we've gone through it, it has not been fun at all. It has not been fun at all. It's not fun because for the most part, watch this, human beings do not like change. Change is something that we uh, just don't, don't, don't do well with. My grandfather would always tell us uh, that change will never happen until the pain to change becomes greater than the pain to remain the same. And so sometimes, because people just like staying in the situation, even if the situation is bad, they would rather stay in the bad situation, y'all ain't saying nothing to me in this place, than to have something be altered in their life because then they got to get used to something altogether new. We are creatures of habit. We get locked into a routine or a specific pattern, and once we got it, we good. Don't you go changing on me. We don't even like for people to change. People are going to change because people are supposed to grow. And so even as a church, we are changing as a church. Why? Because we are a growing church. And the biggest problems usually arises when the new company, watch this, starts changing processes, procedures, and standards by which you do things. <laughs> and then you find yourself uttering these very familiar phrases. Well, this is how we've always, y'all ain't saying nothing. We've always done it this way. Why they change stuff? If it ain't broke, yeah, you know, you, you find yourself saying all these things. But you've forgotten that there's a new sheriff in town. 
And once that sheriff or once that boss or new company took over, you are no longer to operate under the same methods and standards that you used to operate under. As a matter of fact, you know it uh, how it is when you hate going to that McDonald's. I ain't talking about one in particular, but y'all know everybody got that one in your mind. Uh-huh. Or that loose deli. <laughs> or even that KFC that seems to always run out of chicken and it's 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, you're Kentucky Fried Chicken and you don't have any chicken. I mean, no chicken. Hot wings, grilled chicken, original spicy, nothing. You have nothing. Don't understand it. But all the glory that you experience when they put a sign out on the front of the building that contains three words, under new management. I mean, you almost get the Holy Ghost just because the banner is out there. Because, I mean, you have gone through things with that particular establishment that uh, you can't stand. I mean, the customer service is bad. They never have no food. They can't get your order right. But when they have the sign hanging out on their building, under new management, you have an expectation now that some things are supposed to be different. You have an expectation now that though it was bad before, now that there is a new sheriff in town, that some things ought to change in this environment here. And let me just tell you something, my brothers and sisters, that's how it is when we accept Jesus into our heart. Whether you know it or not, there is a sign hanging out. And people that you used to know, they're expecting to see something different about your behavior. They're expecting to see something different behind how you operate. They're expecting to see a new set of standards. And they get confused when they interact with you. And you still acting like your old self. Oh, yo, you, oh, you know what I'm talking about. You know, because there is, there is a BC Devon. <laughs> yeah, 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 we love you, AD. <laughs> Vincent AD, we love that, but we don't want to run into Vincent BC before you knew Christ. Listen, there should be something different about you. There should be something peculiar about you. There should be something, uh, some different set of standards by which you operate by. As a matter of fact, we used to sing that song, you know, the, the things I used to do, I don't do no more. Place I used to go, I don't go no more. Why? Because there's a new, I got a new boss. There's a new sheriff in town, and I must live my life in a way that puts a smile on his face. Christians have a different set of standards than the rest of the world. Well, let me say it like this. Christians should have a different set of standards than the rest of the world regardless of, of what or how high your standards were, let me tell you something, they're all null and void as it relates to your new life in Christ. Your Christian life brings you new standards and a new moral excellence about yourself. May I put it like this? It should be a different type of goodness that comes out of you. Everybody wants goodness, amen? You will now desire to live the good life. I believe when the psalmist began to write in the Old Testament where he says, uh, when you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you the desires of your heart. I believe what he's really talking about is that, he, is that when you delight yourself in him, he will give your heart new desires. He will give your heart what you should be desiring for. Because, see, 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 um, my six-year-old, um, 
It's be. Uh, how, I mean, let me say it a different way. Because, <laughs> you know, y'all go back in time. I can't land on this. <laughs> okay. Um, nobody had to teach her how to lie. No. All of a sudden, she just starts lying. And I mean, nobody had to teach her. Now, Kaylin, when you lie, you got to have a straight face. You got to be serious about this thing. I mean, no, 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 no. You don't, you don't have to be taught to do bad. The word says that we were born into sin and shaped or fashioned in iniquity. And so what happens is there are things that are just innate in our nature. Once we were born, guess what? It's coming. But thank God that we can be born again. And that new nature has to take precedence over the old nature. As you begin or continue to grow in Christ, a new lifestyle will emerge and will continue to emerge. Because let me just say this to you, because I know that we have, that we are a generational church. We have, I mean, from our children to our seniors, let me tell you something, you don't stop developing in God. You never stop. I don't care. I don't care if you've been in the way for, for, for 60 years. You never stop growing. Uh, I, I wish I had. I wish I, I wish I had a ball. My high school basketball coach, he would tell us this. He said, "Listen, he would, he would hold, up, hold up the basketball. And he would say, this ball represents all there is to know about the game of basketball.' And then he would take a little pen or a little marker, and he would put a dot right on the basketball. He would say, "That dot represents all you know about the game of basketball." And that's how it is with God. That ball represents all there is to know about God. But this dot represents what you know about him. And we must continue to grow and develop and mature in the things of God. And what's the best way to do it? By understanding his word. By daily communicating and communing with the Father. You don't grow in him otherwise. I was telling some of the people here Wednesday night, uh, spiritual food is different from natural food. Because when I go uh, some days without eating, uh, I get real hungry. <laughs> Not only do I get hungry, but I get angry. I get hangry. I get hungry and angry all at the same time. Courtney does not like being just like, listen, we're going to go to the mall. Do we need to eat first? Yes, we need to eat first because I don't want this to be a bad experience for you as we go out to the mall. So if you want me to be pleasant and happy and go along with you to these 18 stores, yes, let's eat first because I don't want to be hangry. So when you don't eat for some time, you get hungry and you begin to Starve for that natural food. Spiritual food, when you go two or three days without eating spiritually, unlike natural food where you begin to hunger and thirst for it, you, you begin to have a lesser appetite for it. This is the reason why we must daily get into this word. Because unlike, now, now, now natural food, watch this. When you eat it, you get full. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Because some of us, including myself, have eaten past the point of full. And so we need to make sure that we're eating 80% full and we can start losing some of this weight. Let me give you an update because I gave you the update a couple weeks ago. I told you I'm committed this year to my health and wellness. I'm down 15 pounds. Hold on. And so I've been giving you guys all the good updates. So let me give you the bad. <laughs> Just to be a little transparent. This, this week, I don't know what happened. Well, I do know what happened. <laughs> I, was, I, was getting ready, I was getting ready to tell a lie up here in the pulpit. <laughs> I know what happened. I wasn't as disciplined as I should have been. And I gained a, a pound and a half. Well, at least that's what the scale said. I don't believe I actually gained a pound and a half from last Friday to this Friday. I don't, I don't believe it. But just so that we're in full total disclosure because we are in relationship with one another and we are doing life together because life was never meant to be done alone. So let me just say that 
keep me accountable, make sure that I'm doing right this week. It's going to be tough because family's in town, but I'll try to get salads and all that good stuff. <laughs> I said try. I said try. But when you eat natural food, let me get back on my topic. When you eat natural food and you eat, you get full to where you don't want anymore. But the beautiful part about this spiritual food is that the more you eat, the more you want it. The more you take it in, the more you got to have it. The more you begin reading this word, the more you want to read this word. Because the word of God will begin changing things on the inside of you. And what's going on on the inside will begin working its way out on the outside, bringing about a mighty change in your life. Every single day for the last uh, six, well, I don't know, well, I guess, you know, 17 days with one brother, 12 days with another. I get up at 5 o'clock in the morning, I read, and we read a chapter of day in the book of Proverbs, and then, and then we pray. Chapter of day in Proverbs, and then we pray. And let me tell you something. Uh, and, and we actually are going to be doing this starting April 1st. We're calling it Man Up. So every man, every man, we're calling it Man Up, 5.30 in the morning. Yeah, you got to get up 5.30 in the morning and just get your phone and dial into the conference line. More information will be coming on that. But we're going to be doing a Man Up conference call for literally for about 15 minutes where we're going to go through the book of Proverbs in the message translation, one chapter a day, and then we're going to pray. We're not going to get all deep, try to figure out what it means let the word of God speak to us. We're going to let the word of God speak to us as men. Amen. But let me tell you something. When you begin doing it, it will change your life. Because the word of God will speak. And I'm telling you, there are times, and, 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 and both the gentlemen, uh, they're both members here at this church, will begin saying it. I said, man, I was going through something yesterday, and, and I was reminded of what we read the day before or a couple days prior, and it altered how I behaved or altered how I responded in that situation. Let me tell you something. When you begin to open up the Word of God and let it speak to you, it will do the work for you. I mean, it will prompt you to get in the right position. Amen? So let's just talk a little bit about how does a Christian set new standards? How does a Christian set new standards of conduct? I'm going to deal with this, and then we're going to talk a little bit about overcoming temptation. But then you want to be here Wednesday night because we're going to be talking about the way we think. Because sometimes our thought pattern is a little jacked up. So we got to renew our mind the right way so we can begin thinking the way the Lord wants us to think and then do what the Lord wants us to do. But as you study the Word of God, His Word will help you set these new standards. In other words, you don't have to try to figure it out on your own. The Word of God will help you. I said the Word of God will help you. The Bible reveals God's will for your character and lifestyle. Also, God has placed the Holy Spirit within you to reveal all the wrong in your life. Listen, you don't have to come to Jesus after you get some things worked out. <laughs> let him come to him as you are and let him work it out through, through the Holy Spirit. He will begin revealing to you the areas of your life that you need correcting and changing and massaging. Ask for his guidance. But let's look at this. Go to the, everybody got the book of Romans open. Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We, we did verse 14, but there's so much in here. If we look at verse 6, verse 6 begins to tell us, or, or it says, knowing this, <laughs> that our old man was crucified with him, being Jesus, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin be slaves of sin. I think there must first be a realization when you are trying to establish new conduct or standards in your Christian walk. There has to be a realization that now that I am like Christ, I should no longer serve sin. That now that I am like, that's what being a Christian means, being like Christ. At the point of the day that you got said, the day that you received him into your heart, yes, you became a Christian. You are now like Christ. By faith, you are like Christ. All right? Understand this. There will still be moments where, where your imperfections will spill out. Absolutely will. But that doesn't change who you are. 
<laughs> so there has to be a realization that I should no longer serve sin. Now let's skip down to verse 11. Look at verse 11. It says, likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only should there be a realization, but I think there also needs to be a reckoning. What does this word reckoning mean? Reckoning literally means to count upon it in spite of how you currently feel. Let me say that again. Reckoning literally means to count upon it in spite of how you currently feel. Because how many people know there are some days when I don't feel holy? I, I, I thought we could be real here in Highland Park. I thought we could. There are some days when I don't feel righteous. Some days when I don't feel, say, I mean, you know, that's why this walk with the Lord is, is more, it's not just a feeling. Though emotions may spill out, this is bigger than a feeling. So in spite, but in spite of how I feel, I must reckon myself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Again, this is a building block on what we started last week talking about faith. Because you're saved by faith. And so you need that first foundational block of faith as you go on to moral excellence. Why? Because let me tell you something. We, we cannot be led by how we feel, by what we see, or by what we hear. We can only be moved or led by the Word of God and our faith in it. That's the only way that we're actually going to be successful in this life. We have to be led by the Spirit of God, and we have that by faith. So listen, that, that simply is, is the rough foundation. Don't have time to go deep into everything. But that's why you got to be here Wednesday night, because we go deep on Wednesday nights. But that's what happens. There needs to be a realization and a reckoning in order for you to be able to set new standards of conduct in your Christian life. So now, what happens as I'm a Christian and I'm beginning doing this reckoning, does that mean that temptation will not come? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Let me just tell you something. You will be tempted. Uh, every single day. It don't matter if you lock yourself up in your bedroom and say, I'm not leaving the house because there's just too much temptation out there. How many people know temptation will come up in your bedroom and find you out and say, here I am. You thought, you know, listen, temptation is the enticement to sin. And although it is common to everyone, by itself, temptation is not sin. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ himself experienced temptation even though he never sinned. Jesus. So God does not promise to remove temptation from us. You will always be tempted. I don't hear nobody saying nothing to me. You will always be tempted. He does promise, however, to help us overcome the temptation. His power within us can overcome anything. Just as John, 1 John 4 and 4 states, uh, the one who is in you, the Holy Spirit, is greater than the one who is in the world. So when you are tempted, God will provide a way of escape. <laughs> he always does. Because God is faithful. As a matter of fact, 1 Corinthians, this is another, another good one to know. 1 Corinthians, what is it? I think it's 10 and 13. It says, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will always provide a way of escape. Um, we always get these little promptings or warnings. It's just a matter of if you're going to take heed to those promptings or warnings. 
which determines whether or not you're going to be successful in that particular instance or not. I, you know, I remember, you know, in college, you know, I, I mean, I have been saved all my life, and so there were moments, <laughs> times, when I knew I was doing something I had no business doing. And then my phone would ring, and you know who it was? My grandmother. And I would look at that caller ID, and I would say, Lord have mercy. Should I stay or should I go? Should I stay or should I go? Sometimes the way of escape is the very thing that you are entrapped in. And see, some of us, you know, I think we have lowered our standards so much that we begin to bypass. Oh, that's all right. We, we can just, we, we can deal with that. I remember, I, I, I ne I'll, never, I'll never, never forget this. Um, I, I was, I was, I went, I think I told you guys this story. I, I went, I went to a party in, in college and, um, you know, they started shooting at the party. Yeah, I mean, it's just like I had never gone, and all my friends had said, come on, come on, D, come on, Rev, come on. And, and the point that they was calling me Rev, inviting me to a party, should have been the trigger point enough. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I should have, th that was my way of escape right then. And I didn't take heed to what it is that the Lord was telling me to do. It's like, it's, come on, Rev, come on, just one night, just come on with us, Rev. And I went. Knowing, and the whole reason why I didn't go to parties was because they shoot at parties. And all my friends, you know, they're from Flint and Saginaw. Yeah, you know, and so they was used to this. <laughs> they was used to it. I mean, I wasn't. I was like, hey, listen, I don't want to, I want no parts of this. And they started shooting. And I'm like, and, and the whole time Holy Spirit began reminding me, it's like, you had your way of escape. I was telling you the whole time. My grandfather talks about this, you know, how many people would watch the old Batman shows? You know, it seemed to me something crazy. Like, Batman always found himself in these peculiar situations where by the end of the show, he was always getting ready to be killed, <laughs> fall off a cliff, <laughs> or be sawed in two. <laughs> and as he was tied to that conveyor belt, and the conveyor belt was moving, and you just knew it was over for him. And then it said, see you next week, same time, same station. And then when, and you just knew all week long, you just, your mind is tormented because you're like, oh my goodness, no. I know he's, he's fell off the cliff before, but he was able to hang on to the little undercliff. And, and I know that people have tried to, you know, cut him, but he was able to get out of that. But there's no way that he can get out of this. I mean, he's on a conveyor belt, tied down, and it's moving toward the saw. And all of a sudden, that next week, you go back, and Batman was able to find a way to press his utility belt and find something that was able to get him out of that situation. Can I just tell you something? You have the word of God and the word of God is like your Batman utility belt. And all you got to do is just find a way to get that word of God from the inside to the outside. And when you do, let me tell you something, my brothers and sisters, when you find that word, that word will be an ever-present help in your time of need. He will always provide a way for you to escape. You'll always provide a way for you to escape. Somebody say always. Solomon even gives us practical advice in Proverbs 4, 14 and 15. He says this, do not set your foot on the path of the wicked. He ain't done. He says, or walk in the way of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go on your way. So whenever temptation comes, turn to God in prayer. Asking him for deliverance. And he will do it. I said he will do it. Let's do a little bit of finger licking, and then we're going to get out of here. Turn to Luke, cha Luke chapter 22. I want to show you something about overcoming temptation. Because let me tell you something, as I've said before, you know, um, 
Yes, I'm thankful for the promise of God that he said that he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. Amen? But when I was a little boy, I used to listen to the Winans, and the Winans would sing a song. David, that was me and David's favorite group. And uh, the Winans would sing a song that says, it's good to know that he'll be there if ever I fall. But it's better to know that I don't have to fall at all. You don't even have to enter into the sin because he's able to keep you as long as you're willing to be kept. Look at Luke chapter 22. Luke 22. I want to show you this. Luke 22 verse, verse 40. And then we'll skip down to 46. Luke 22 verse 40. It says, when he came to the place, he said to them, watch this. Because Jesus begins to show and tell his disciples how to overcome temptation. Watch this. Look what he says. He says, pray that you may not enter into temptation. So, so there's the remedy right there. How do we, how do we overcome temptation? Pray. <laughs> pray. Pray that you don't even enter into it. Now look at verse 46. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. It becomes very, very hard for you to disobey God when you're in communion with God. One of the biggest problems that we have or that we face is that we find ourselves entering into temptation because we have a lack of communication. There's been some interference on the line. Y'all know the guy who's now with Sprint. Years ago, he was with Verizon. And we would see all the different commercials. And he began going into over in Australia in front of the Sydney, Sydney Theater. And he would stop and he would say, can you hear me now? And they would say, good. You couldn't hear what the other person on the line was saying, but the, the, the illusion of the commercial, the advertisement, led us to believe that they said, yes, I can hear you. And then he would say, good. And then he would be on the Golden State Bridge, walking across the bridge. He would stop, middle of traffic going by. Can you hear me now? We couldn't hear what the person was saying, but no doubt that person must have said, yes, I can hear you. Because he would say, good. And, he would hear, and then he would move on. He, you would see him at the Grand Canyon, places where most cellular companies don't have service. He would stop and say, can you hear me now? <laughs> we couldn't hear what the other people were saying, but no doubt they must have said something like, yes, I can hear you, because he responded, good, and would keep on moving. I wonder, my, my dad would always tell us, God is always talking, we're just not always listening. <laughs> I think there are moments when God is trying to tell us something. But we're in a place where there's so much interference, where the word is not coming to us directly every time he's trying to speak. And he's asking us the question, can you hear me now? And we got so much stuff in between. We're busy with our lives, with our jobs, with our kids' schedules, with uh, the work of the church, that we're missing out on the relationship with God of the church. So we got to make room for God. And the reason why we say make room for him is because he's a big God. And he requires a lot of space. So you got to clear out some of that junk. But listen to what he says. Now, well, let's go to Hebrew. Hebrew chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. I said this before. Um, all the women in the house that... Brew coffee. Won't you meet me down at the altar at the end of service? Ask for re the repentance of your sins. Because the Bible says Hebrews. <laughs> it's a bad joke. It's old. Don't need to say them. I, I need to retire that joke. It's all right. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Listen to this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 9. Are you hearing from the Lord today? Amen. Listen, he says, but we see Jesus. <laughs> well, we can preach all day just off those four words alone. Who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, 
crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, might taste death for everyone. Now skip down to verse 17 and 18. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be merciful and faithful high priest in the things pertaining to God to make perpetuation for the sins of the people. Verse 18, for in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he was able to aid those who are tempted. So what I want to just give to you today is, listen, watch this. Who is able to help you when you're tempted? Jesus. Let me ask this side because that was a little weak. Who, was, who is able to help you when you're tempted? Because he, you say, come back. Okay, I'll come back. <laughs> now, the whole side is on you now. If you, who's able to help you in the moment that you've been tempted? So just like you just called his name in the moment of your temptation, call his name. Paul talks about this in Ephesians chapter 6. We know it as the armor of God. How many people know the armor of the Lord, the armor of God? I should take a test and have you stand and, and give it to me, but I won't. Helmet of salvation. It speaks of the importance of renewing that mind. Amen. Breastplate of righteousness. To guard our heart with all diligence. Why? Because out of it flows the issues of life. Loins gird about with truth loins area of, 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 of reproduction. Why is this important? Because uh, we should be able to, or we should be using truth to reproduce what it is that we're in. Because the Bible says that our words have power. I said our words have power. And so we don't speak facts, we speak truth. <laughs> I know what the fact looks like. I know what the facts say on black and white. I know what the facts say on the report. But his truth says, by his stripes, I'm healed. That's his truth. And so we have to continue to protect our spiritual reproduction, reproductive organs and making sure that our reproductive organs are always guarded with truth. Y'all hear what I'm saying? Feet need to be shod the purpose of the gospel priest. I don't really know what shod means. I got to kind of look that up. I used to think that it was saying sharp. My feet must be sharp. That's what I used to think. <laughs> but I started reading the word of God and I started knowing that sharp wasn't in the Bible. That's not what he's talking about. Then we got to have the shield of faith. In that day, Roman soldiers would douse their shield with this chemical that at the moment when someone would shoot a fiery dart to them, they would just put that shield up and whenever that dart or that arrow, that fiery arrow would hit that shield, it would dissolve the flame of that arrow. So that's the reason why it's called the shield of faith. Because when the enemy tries to come at you with all type of nonsense, you put up your faith that's right there and says, come on, hit me with your best shot. Hit me with your best shot. That fiery dart that Peter talks about, that fiery dart that comes to try to take you out, you put that faith right there and it will dissolve whatever it is that he tried to send your way. And then he has in his other hand the sword of the spirit, which is, but we know that it's not, this word that is the sword of the spirit, it's the specific word in a specific situation that becomes the sword of the spirit. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Because see, if I'm in a, uh, uh, facing a physical challenge, if I'm facing a physical challenge, I'm going through sickness in my body, Guess what? Though it's in the Bible, the scripture that I, that I do not need to be quoting is Jesus wept. 
I mean, that, 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 that's what would make sense if, if we said, well, you know, the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, whatever word. No, 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 no. you gotta be, you got to be knowledgeable and equipped with what's in this Word. Just as Jesus, when he was tempted by the enemy, he began quoting scriptures that was specifically attached to the very situation that he was in. Satan was trying to tempt him with food. What did Jesus do? He didn't start going and talk about, you know, love is patient. <laughs> no. See, he pulled out the right word at the right time. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So you have to be equipped with the right word at the right time. Amen? Let me take you to my last two passages of Scripture. Go to the book of James. James is just one book over, one book over. These are all good scriptures for you to start putting into your mental hard drive. Start downloading this into your mind instead of every other filth that the world has to offer. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. I want to show you what James says that difficulties and temptations can do for the Christian life. I get excited about this. <laughs> Because, see, some of us don't want to endure hardships. Some of us don't want to endure trials of life. But James tells us what trials and temptations and difficulties can do for the believer. Are y'all ready to hear what he says? Now, this is Jesus' brother. So I think he's got something to say about the matter. James is like the New Testament version of the book of Proverbs, just chucked full of, of wisdom, godly wisdom. Look at what he says. James chapter 1, verse 2 and 4. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces something. The testing of your faith produces Patience. Now watch this, verse 4. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. In other words, when I go through the fire, if I begin to want to say, God, take me out of the fire, that's like when you have spent all 20 or 30 minutes cooking up that batter, stirring, putting the eggs in, putting the flour in there, oil, stirring it up, arm getting all tired, because you don't have a kitchen aid. <laughs> Arms getting all tired. And then you pour it into the pan, put the pan in the oven, and then all of a sudden the cake start talking about, it's too hot in here. And then you hear the cry of the cake and take the cake out before it's time and then try to go serve that cake to somebody else. What do you think is gonna happen, Eric McDade, if you try to serve undone cake? He's a master chef. It's not gonna be good. Not only is it not gonna be good, but somebody's gonna get sick because they're consuming raw stuff that was never meant to be consumed. See, that, that's what happens when you jump out the fire too early, but yet and still you want to take your ministry across the seven seas. You step out there, people start getting sick because you're serving yourself in an undone state. But if you just stay in there, If you just stay in there and recognize that the sufferings of this present moment are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. If you can just stay in there and know that while you're in the fire, just like the Hebrew boys, somebody's in there with you, <laughs> absorbing all the heat. <laughs> it should be hotter. Matter of fact, what you're going through should be worse. Oh, come on, if we're really honest about it, the type of lives that we've lived, what we're going through should be a whole lot worse. But thanks be unto God 
that though I'm in the fire, I'm not in here alone. As a matter of fact, yea, though I woe through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because he's with me. And the fact that there's a shadow should make you excited because there can never be a shadow where there is no light. All you got to do is just start looking up and see, I know if a shadow is here, light's got to be some. Oh, there's Jesus looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. And keep going. Let me give you this last one. Turn to James chapter 4, verse 7, and then we're through because I'm way over my time. James chapter 4, just a couple chapters over. James chapter 4. Because I want to I, I show you just very plain and simple. The answer to overcoming temptation. The answer to overcoming temptation. James chapter 4, verse 7, he says, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Boy, y'all missed a good place to shout. Cause see, I, see, I used to hear these songs when we was growing up. Uh, I beat the devil running, and I'm so glad. No, no, no. <laughs> you have no business running from the devil. If you first submit yourself to God. See, the problem with a lot of us is that we're trying to fight the enemy, but we haven't first submitted ourselves to God. We're trying to resist the devil, but we haven't submitted ourselves to God first. You know what the danger of that is? It's like you trying to tell the devil no when you haven't first told God yes. You must first give him your yes. Because after you've given him your yes and you've submitted your ways to him, the reason why the devil will flee from you after you're able to resist him is because you now have the power to resist him. Later on in that same fourth chapter, I think around the 10th verse, James began to tell us, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. I'm over my time. Stand to your feet. Our community at Revival Tabernacle aims to reach our city and beyond with the life-changing message of Jesus. Thank you for your support. If you want to further connect with us, you can find us online at www.revivaltab.org. 